أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما نافعا اللهم أرنا الحق حقا وارزقنا اتباعه وَأَرِنَا الْبَاطِلَ بَاطِلًا وَارْزُقْنَا اِجْتِنَابَ رَبِّ اشْرَحْ لِي صَدْرِي وَيَسِّرْ لِي أَمْرِي وَحْلُ الْعُقُدَةَ مِنْ لِسَانِي يَفْقَهُ قَوْلِي Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale-i Nur by Bedü'l-Zaman Said Nursi podcast series. This is Mustafa Tuna. You can listen to the episodes of this series wherever you get your podcasts or at the website www.reflections-rn.org. Inshallah, in this episode, we will continue reading the 21st word. And we are now uh, on the first station of the 21st word. It is composed of two stations. This first station is um, a commentary on the verse, Asta'inzu billah. إِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ كَانَتْ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ كِتَابًا For prayer is obligatory for the believers as, uh, at prescribed times. This is a part of the uh, verse 103 of chapter 4 in the Qur'an. And as we had mentioned earlier, uh, we can repeat now, uh, in Arabic, in Turkish, you can refer to parts of a verse, an ayah, in the Qur'an as a ayah. Uh, too, because the literal translation of the word is, is a sign. Even the words, letters, uh, dots, sentences of the Quran are signs. Everything in the Quran are uh, signs, therefore verses. So prayer is obligatory for the believers at prescribed times. And the occasion that uh, that led to Stad Nursi writing about this, was, I'm going to read that part uh, in English only without uh, reading the Turkish. Once a man who was great uh, age-wise, bodily, and in rank, or great in, in, in age, body, and rank, told me, prayer is good, however, performing it every day and five times every day is too much. Since it never ends, it causes awareness. A long time after these words by this person, I listened to my lower soul. I heard it say the same thing. I looked at it and saw it receiving the same lesson from Satan. So it was Satan who was, uh, or from whom this lesson, this uh, complaint was originating. It was listening to Satan with the ear of laziness. Then I understood that as though that person had said those words in the name of all evil commanding souls or had been made to say so. So, I said, since my lower soul is an evil commanding soul and he who does not reform his soul cannot reform others, in that case, I begin with my own soul. And, of course, as we repeated many times, we need to be listening to this. We need to be contemplating this as though... The lesson is directly to our lower soul. So I, Mustafa Tuna, am reading this with the intention to receive my lesson directly for my lower soul. It's not for other people. It is for me and everybody should be focusing on this. 
So Sadnursi continues, I said, all over soul, in response to these words that you are uttering in a state of compounded ignorance, in the bed of laziness and the slumber of heedlessness, hear these five warnings from me. So we read the first and the second warnings, and inshallah in this episode we will continue reading the third warning, and as a reminder, a rough translation of this text we will be reading and reflecting upon, inshallah, uh, is posted in the on this website that we mentioned, www.reflections-rn.org. You can go to podcast and words, then the 21st word, and scroll down to the second episode. So, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Let's begin. Third warning. Ey sabırsız nefsim. Acaba geçmiş günlerdeki ibadet külfetini ve namazın meşakkatini ve musibet zahmetini bugün düşünüp muzdarip olmak, hem gelecek günlerdeki ibadet vazifesini ve namaz hizmetini ve musibet elemini bugün tasavvur edip sabırsızlık göstermek hiç kârı akıl mıdır? Oh my impatient lower soul. Oh my impatient lower soul. Wonder. Does it make sense at all to think about the burdens of worship, the difficulties of prayer, and the hardships of calamity from the past days, today? To conceptualize the duties of worship, service of prayer, and pains of calamity from the future days also today, and thus to show impatience. This is a really beautiful um, point, warning, that can help us with throughout our lives in many respects. Here the focus is on worship, on, on prayer, but it is a really beautiful wisdom that should be, uh, that we should be keeping on the side, constantly reminding ourselves about. Uh, as we face difficulties, as we face the drag of fulfilling our responsibilities and so on and so forth throughout our lives, inshallah. So we should listen to this carefully. I'm going to go back to the beginning of the paragraph and read again. All my impatient lower soul. We all have that impatience, that weariness, that apathy, that, that um, slack in our lower soul. Laziness. Wonder. Does it make sense at all to think about the burdens of worship, the difficulties of prayer, and the hardships of calamity from the past days to day? Right? I lived for so many years, and I prayed and fasted and did this and did that, and there was difficulty involved in all of these, or I went through this difficulty and that difficulty. I, I've had to face calamities. I lost my loved ones and I had sicknesses and they were in the past. Does it make sense to think about them today? And then we are continuing. Does it make sense to conceptualize the duties of worship, service of prayer and pains of calamity from the future days also today? I did that I did this, I did that in the past, and then, oh, there is this life in front of me. Of course, this is just a supposition. We don't know, but there is this long life in front of me. I'll have to do it again and again. 
See, I have fasted for 30 years in my life and God knows, let's say, I, <laughs> I say 45 more years, I'll have to fast for 45 years. That is 45 time, times about 30 days a month in every one of these years. It's, I'll have to pray five times every day for 45 years thinking about the future conceptualizing, visualizing, imagining the duties of worship, service of prayer, and the pains of calamity, or what is waiting for me in the future, right? Also today, so the difficulties of prayer, hardships of calamity, burdens of worship from the past, and the duties of worship, service of prayer, and pains of calamity from the future, thinking both of them today, and thus, does it make sense to, to, to do this and thus to show impatience? We should all think about this. The past and the future. We as human beings have this ability to move, move through time in our intellect, in our imagination, maybe not physically, although it might be possible for some people to move physically too, uh, but or, or maybe to move like spiritually, right? In a uh, in a real sense, but for each and every human being, this is possible in a virtual sense, with the intellect and the imagination, and we have this propensity to to to hoard the difficulties of the past and the future all today in the given moment. But if you think about it, it does not make sense. So here Stadnuti is asking his lower soul, and we should ask our lower souls, does it make sense? And I would say that's a rhetorical question. It is obvious the, the, the, the question is a no-brainer. It does not make sense. But that is what we tend to do. Şu sabırsızlıkta misalin şöyle bir sersem kumandana benzer ki, Düşmanın sağ cenah kuvveti onun sağındaki kuvvetine iltihak etmiş ve ona taze bir kuvvet olduğu halde o tutar, mühim bir kuvvetini sağ cenaha gönderir, merkezi zayıflaştırır. Your likeness in this impatience is such an adult brain commander that while the right flank of the enemy has joined his forces to his right and become a fresh force for him, he sends one of his significant forces to the right flank and weakens the center. Now, don't get confused about the right and the left, right? So this is a commander. He has a right flank, a center, and a left flank. The enemy facing his right flank, right, uh, has actually capitulated, or not even capitulated, switch sides and join his forces. Now on the right side, on the right flank, he has doubled the forces that he had. And there's no enemy. But, but, now it is a fresh force for him. It's, he's stronger now on that side. But, he sends one of his significant forces from the center to the right flank. Right? That's his strongest point. There is no enemy facing his forces here. But he, for some reason, takes, the, takes what's at the center and sends it there. Now, try to visualize this. What kind of a commander is this? 
the right flank there is no enemy the enemy has actually joined his side and therefore strengthened his forces on the right flank with fresh forces yet I don't know what he's thinking about but he sends a significant part a significant component of his forces from the center to the right and then the representation continues hem sol cenahta düşmanın askeri yokken daha gelmeden büyük bir kuvvet gönderir ateş et emrini verir merkezi bütün bütün kuvvetten düşürtür düşman işi anlar merkeze hücum eder tarumar eder also while the enemy has no forces on the left flank before they have arrived he sends a huge force there orders them to shoot and thus totally weakens the center so what does he do on the left so what else does this adult-brained commander do remember he sent his significant forces a significant component of his forces from the center to the right although there was no enemy on the right and on the left there is no enemy on the left either because the enemy has not arrived on his left flank the enemy has not arrived yet he sends a huge force there too and orders them to shoot shoot where in the air there is no enemy not only is he um, wasting ammunition but most importantly he weakens the center further the enemy recognizes the situation attacks the center and routes it all that's the problem right the center is where the enemy is if this commander has sight a little bit of knowledge of warfare strategy he should recognize that the enemy is at the center there is no enemy on the right flank there is no enemy on the left flank the enemy is at the center and he should concentrate his forces at the center but instead he sends some of his forces to the right some of them to the left weakens the center and the enemy recognizes this and attacks the center and routes it all evet buna benzersin çünkü geçmiş günlerin zahmeti bugün rahmete kalbi olmuş elemi gitmiş lezzeti kalmış külfeti keramete iltihak ve meşakkati sevaba inkılap etmiş öyle ise ondan usanç almak değil belki yeni bir şevk taze bir zevk ve devama ciddi bir gayret almak lazım gelir gelecek günler ise madem gelmemişler şimdiden düşünüp usanmak ve fütur getirmek aynen o günlerde açsızlığı açlığı ve susuzluğu ile bugün düşünüp bağırıp çağırmak gibi bir divaneliktir yes you resemble this for today the hardships of past days have turned into mercy their pains have gone and delight is left behind their burdens have joined bounties and their difficulties have turned into rewards in that case it behooves not to be wearied by this but to have renewed enthusiasm fresh delight and a serious effort to continue on as for the future days since they have not arrived yet thinking about them from now being wearied as a result and falling into apathy is a lunacy just like crying and wailing by thinking about the hunger and thirst of those future days 
let's uh, read this again and try to um, think about it a little bit. Yes, you resemble this. Your situation is like this commander. For today, the moment you are in, the moment I am in, today, the hardships of past days have turned into mercy. What does that mean? Of course, we read the, uh, the, the treatise on sickness, right? 25th flash. And we remember from that in a lot of detail, mashallah, that um, calamities, difficulties, hardships that have passed leave behind a pleasure. And they are now mercy for us. Why? Because if we met them with, with patience, that is a form of worship, God gives us the reward for that patience. And also, now we can think that it is past. We don't have to worry about it any longer. It is, it is gone. And there's pleasure in trouble coming to an end. While there is trouble in pleasure coming to an end, right? And contemplating that pleasure will come to an end, delight will come to an end, troubles one while enjoying that pleasure. And contemplating, thinking that trouble will come to an end, a calamity will come to an end, pleases one, gives delight to one while enduring that calamity, while enduring that hardship. And then once it is done, once it is gone, what's left behind is the mercy, the reward God, inshallah, will give to us if we have met it with patience and preserving our, our uh, worshipfulness before our Lord, right? And the pleasure of them having gone, and there's mercy in that too. Their pains have gone and delight is left behind. Their burdens have joined bounties. Why their burdens have joined bounties? Because God is the most generous one. God is munificent. God does not trouble us because you know, it's, he's enjoying it, right? Out, out of some kind of sadism or something like that. No. There is a wisdom in the troubles, in the calamities, in the hardships, in the difficulties that we go through. And in return for those, God, inshallah, will you know, compensate us. He doesn't have to. We are his slaves. We are his property. The owner, the, the owner of property disposes on his property however he wants. He does not owe us anything. He created us from nothing. Right? But out of his mercy, out of his generosity, out of his munificence, he promises that he will compensate us. He will uh, give us rewards, if he met it with patience, in return for what he puts us through. And that is a test. That is a test for us to maintain our recognition of his lordship to maintain our recognition of his mercifulness, to maintain our recognition of him being the provider, his beauty, his perfection, to maintain our, uh, our recognition of his munificence, his generosity, to maintain all of these all through. That is what patience is. 
right? Patience is the recognition of the Lordship of our Lord. And if you have done that, right, their burdens have joined bounties, bounties that he is offering us, favors that he is offering us. Their difficulties have turned into rewards. In that case, so what, what is left from those difficulties of the past? Mercy, delight, bounties, rewards. In that case, it behooves not to be wearied by this, by thinking about, oh, I prayed 30 years and how difficult it was, and I did this and I did that, and, and I went through all the difficulty, you know, as though we are reliving the, the, the, all the burden of those 30 years of servitude and endurance as if we are loading them, all of them, together in one big box and putting on our shoulders. No. It behooves not to be wearied by this, but to have renewed to have renewed enthusiasm instead. To have renewed enthusiasm. We need to worship with enthusiasm. And recognizing the situation should renew our enthusiasm. To have fresh delight and a serious effort to continue on. Right? What I did in the past, the difficulties I had in the past have strengthened me. Going back to the representation, they have joined my flank on the right side. Now they're on my side. Before, perhaps they were against me because that was a test. But now that I have passed the test, they're on my side. Therefore, I should be more enthusiastic about what's going on now. With, I, I should have a fresh delight about this. And I should be encouraged to have more effort, a serious effort to continue on because I can reap more benefits from this. As for the future days, since they have not arrived yet, thinking about them from now, being wearied as a result and falling into apathy is a lunacy. Just like crying and wailing by thinking about the hunger and thirst of those future days. In 10 years from now, Say April 14th, 2042, if I live, but the nurse wants to suppose it's going to live, I'll wake up in the morning and I'll be hungry. More than that, I'll be thirsty. So should I now, should I now start crying and thinking about and worrying, seriously worrying about my hunger and thirst that is supposedly to come in 20 years, that would be nonsensical, right? Right? Well, these future days have not arrived yet. Since they have not arrived yet, thinking about them from now, thinking about the service that I'm going to have to render, since thinking about the worship, thinking about the difficulty, thinking about the calamity, the potential possible, or even supposed calamity that I'm going to have to endure, being wearied as a result and falling into apathy is, that is lunacy. That's lunacy like crying and wailing for the hunger and thirst that is supposedly to come in the future days. That's just wrong. Madem hakikat böyledir, akıl isen ibadet cihetinde yalnız bugünü düşün. Ve onun bir saatini ücreti pek büyük, külfeti pek az, hoş ve güzel ve ulvi bir hizmete sarf ediyorum de. 
O vakit sin acı bir fütürün tatlı bir gayrete inkılap eder. Since this is the reality, if you are intelligent, if you have intellect, think of today alone when it comes to worship. And there are other things in which you should think about the future. If you are uh, about to perform a sinful act, think about the consequences. Think about what is to come as a result of that in the future. Right? If you are thinking about worship with regard to its reward, right? Think about the future because there is reward for this in the future. But if you are thinking about, if you are concerned about the burden, difficulty, hardship of, of, of, of worship, right? Now, well, then think about today alone. Think of today alone. And say, I am spending one hour of this day on an agreeable, beautiful, and lofty service, the recompense for which is utterly great and its burden utterly small. The pay is great. The burden, the effort that you have to put is small. It is, you know, one hour of our 24 hours of the day. As you read before, God is asking for one out of the 24 hours that he has given to us every day for prayer. And, you know, if one does not waste his time uh, going with the bare minimums, right? One hour is enough to take wudu and pray the five obligatory prayers of the day. And that's what God is asking for. If you want to, you know, move on and do extras, that's diff different. But this is the obligation. And if you are at the point of the uh, extras, that, that already means to some extent that you have understood the wisdom that we are talking about here and you have moved on you you, you already have um, something of that sweet taste sweet pleasure of worship and it is it is tasty it is delightful but you need to work work toward it right if you are intelligent think of Today alone, with regard to the burden, difficulty, war, uh, the, the hardship, and so on and so forth of worship. Then, if you switch your attitude, right? If you switch your perspective in this, is if you, if you uh, switch how you are conceptualizing this uh, situation, then your bitter apathy turns into sweet effort. Sweet um, endeavor. You you you become encouraged. You start to put more effort, and the more effort you put, the the, the sweeter it becomes. It is narrated from Ali radiallahu an. I may not remember the exact uh, wording and context, but in ma'ana, in meaning, it is narrated from Ali radiallahu an that he apparently said that. Um, Fasting while traveling on a hot day in the desert is the sweetest thing or one of the sweetest things to him. Now imagine this in the desert, dry, arid, um, burning hot, desert under the sun. You are traveling. How difficult that would be. And fasting, going through this enormous hardship, hunger and especially thirst. 
he finds sweetness in that. What kind of sweetness is that? Well, we, we need to build up to it. We need to, you know, we, we can talk about it, right? Of course, there is sweetness in um, doing something for the sake of your Lord if you recognize your Lord as he's, he deserves to be recognized, right? But that's something that we can only talk with. In order to understand, we have to taste it. But, you know, this is the beginning of the, the, this is what we are saying here is the beginning of the path that should set us on the path of understanding and recognizing and then tasting. Right? You first need to switch your mental attitude. Switch from thinking of prayer as a burden to thinking of it as an opportunity. İşte ey sabırsız nefsim, sen üç sabırla mükellefsin. Birisi taat üstünde sabırdır. Birisi masiyetten sabırdır. Diğeri musibete karşı sabırdır. Aklın varsa şu üçüncü ilk hazdaki temsilde görünen hakikati rehber tut. Merdane ya sabur de. Üç sabrı omzuna al. Cenab-ı Hakk'ın sana verdiği sabır kuvvetini eğer yanlış yolda dağıtmazsan her meşakkate ve her musibete kafi gelebilir ve o, o kuvvete dayan. So, oh my impatient lower soul. Oh my, my impatient nafs. You are accountable for three types of patience. Three types of patience. One is, and importantly, you are accountable for this. Remember, we are accountable when we come to a certain age, if we have the intellect and so on and so forth, we become mukallaf. So we are accountable for three types of patience. One is patience in obedience. Another, patience against disobedience or against sins. And yet another, patience in the face of calamity. Patience in obedience, God asks us to do certain things. God requires us to, to do certain things. There are obligations upon us. We have to, we must pray five times a day. We must fast the month of Ramadan if we are healthy and we meet other conditions. We must perform Hajj once in a lifetime if we are um, able and we have the health and we have the money and so on and so forth. We must pay zakah, the obligatory alms, uh, if we have wealth. So these are obligations upon us just because we, we are God's slaves. Just because he created us and he held us accountable. Then, patience against disobedience. God requires us to avoid certain things. To not perform certain things. God requires us to, say, not eat pork. God requires us to not lie. God requires us to avoid backbiting. God requires us to... Um, not drink alcohol. And sometimes the nafs wants to do these things. The nafs wants to lie. The nafs wants to backbite. The nafs wants the, uh, the, the money that is in that bank account that is uh, from interest or some other kind of illegal um, haram way, but the nafs wants to take it. 
So this requires patience, patience against disobedience. And patience in the face of calamity, patience in the face of difficulties, hardships, things that God puts on our way in order to test us. If you have intellect, take the reality that appears in the representation of this third warning as a guide. Remember we mentioned, and this is a beautiful representation that we should keep on the side all the time, it should be a guide in life. Take it. Take the meaning, right? You, know, you can skip the, uh, the, the imagery and so on and so forth, but take the meaning, take the reality. Say, oh, the patient, Ya Sabur, that's one of God's names. He is patient, and he is also the giver of patience. He is the source of our patience. Say, oh, the patient, or the patient one, with valiance, with bravery, and take the three types of patience on your shoulders. Take it. This is what you're accountable for. You are not going to achieve anything by escaping from what you're accountable for. Your duty is your duty. Your responsibility is your responsibility. You cannot shirk it. You cannot escape from it. But God has given the strength, the force that you need in order to bear that burden. So say, or oh, the patient one, evoke God, God's name, Know that he is the source of patience. Do not waste the patience that he gives to you. And then you'll be fine. You can, you can assume the burden, assume the responsibility without worrying about it. Valiantly, bravely. If you do not squander the force of patience that the sublime real has given to you on the wrong way, right? if, you don't, if you don't waste it, by squandering it to the past, by squandering it to the future, by squandering it to things that do not concern you, it can suffice for all difficulties and calamities. And so, hold on with that force. Keep going with that force. Right? Don't give up. You have the force that you need. Right? The force is in you. The force is not in you. God gives you the force. Right? The force is not in you. But God enables you to rely on his force, on his uh, power, and keep going. And if you understand the reality of this, recognize the reality of this, you can keep going, inshallah. Fourth warning. Ey sersem nefsim, acaba şu vazifi ubudiyet neticesiz midir? Ücreti az mıdır ki sana usanç veriyor? Halbuki bir adam sana birkaç para verse veyahut seni korkutsa, akşama kadar seni çalıştırır ve fütursuz çalışırsın. Acaba bu misafirhaneyi dünyada aciz ve fakir kalbine kut ve gına ve elbette bir menzilin olan kabrinde gıda ve ziya ve herhalde mahkemer olan mahşerde senet ve berat ve ister istemez üstünden geçilecek sırat köprüsünde nur ve burak olacak bir namaz Neticesiz midir? Veyahut ücreti az mıdır? Oh my adult brain lower soul. Is this duty of worship inconsequential? Right? Does it have no result? No outcome? And of course this is a rhetorical question. 
The duty of worship is not inconsequential. God is promising rewards and so on and so forth. But even before you go there, it is from God and God is all wise. There is nothing inconsequential in what God creates. There is nothing futile. Is this duty of worship inconsequential? Is its recompense so little as to weary you? Do you think that the recompense, the pay, the reward for this will, be, will not be worth the effort that you are putting here? And therefore, psychologically, you are putting yourself in such a bind that you become worn out. It wearies you. Whereas, if a man gave you a few paras, and para is a is like very small unit of uh, currency in the Ottoman Empire, but you can here think of it as money too. In modern Turkish, it means money. If a man gave you a little money, or if he intimidated you, he would make you work till the evening. And you would work without apathy. right? You would work with full strength. Wonder then, is a prayer that is sustenance and wealth for your impotent and poor heart in this guest house of the world? And we went over this in quite detail in the ninth word. So uh, we will leave explanation to there. Very briefly, the heart needs sustenance too and we went over it in the earlier part of the uh, 21st word too the heart the spirit the body the secret that the, the job of the, the function of which is to know god all our faculties need sustenance and prayer is the sustenance for the heart okay wonder then is a prayer that is sustenance and wealth for your impotent and poor heart in this guest house of the world. Nutrition and light in your grave that will surely be your stopping point. There is no way for you to skip it. You will stop by the grave, which is in the intermediate realm between this world and the, the, the resurrection and the hereafter. You will stop by there. It will be dark and narrow. But... Your prayer will accompany you into the grave. You may think that, you know, you prayed and it's gone. No, it's not gone. It, it, is, it is what is with you. You put one out of those 24 hours of the day into prayer and you think that you kept 23 and, you know, spent one. You did not spend it. That is what you have with you. If you take example from the, you know, famous uh, hadith in which uh, a, a lamb came to the house of the of, of Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to Aisha radiallahu anha and she distributed it all in charity uh, and then only one shoulder the, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam liked the shoulder of the lamb only one shoulder was left and when the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam came home in the evening, evening and asked Aisha radiallahu anha, what she did with the lamb. And she said, I distributed it all on this shoulder is left to us. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, No, Aisha radiallahu anha. No, Aisha. This is gone. And what you distributed in charity is what is left with us. So 23 hours of the day is gone. That one hour that you put on your prayer rock is what is left with you. Right? Wonder is a prayer that sustenance and wealth for your impotent and poor heart in this guest house of the world. Nutrition and light in your grave. That will surely be 
your stopping point. What else? A watch, a, a, a voucher, and a warrant at this resurrection where, where by all means you'll be judged. Or at the resurrection which, is, which will by all means be your judgment. And illumination and a, a mount on the bridge of Surat that will have to be crossed willy-nilly. Like you will have to cross the, mount, the, the bridge of Surat, which is going to be between the, the, the plains of resurrection and, uh, inshallah, paradise. But if you cannot cross it, you will fall down because it's, it's going to be crossing over hell. You will fall down into hell. And you will want a mount. You will want to be able to cross it safely. And some people will cross it fast, like the blinking of an eye or at lightning speed. Perhaps even faster than that. Some people, will. it will take them a long while. Like maybe they will need a mount. They will be as if they will be riding a horse. Right? Some people, they will be crawling on it. And some of them, they will be crawling and then they will not even be able to crawl and they, the weight of their sins will pull them down and they will fall. So you want a mount there. The way God gave a mount to the Prophet ﷺ on the day of Yisra'a Miraj, right? You want a mount there to mount on and cross over the bridge. And you will, you, whether you want or not, you will have to cross over that bridge. And therefore you want to prepare. And your prayer will be a mount for you on that bridge that will help you cross. So do you think that this prayer, right? This prayer that is, um, that, that, that is sustenance and wealth for your heart, nutrition and light in your grave, a voucher and a warrant at your judgment and on the day of resurrection, and illumination and amount on the bridge of Surat. Do you think that it is of no consequence? Do you think that its recompense is too little? How can that be? Its recompense is not little. Its recompense is this oh, mind-bogglingly great, tremendous reward. But you are misled. You are not seeing reality as reality is. It is the one hour out of the 24 that you keep and it is the 23 that you waste, squander away. So come to your senses. Bir adam sana 100 liralık bir hediye vaat etse 100 gün seni çalıştırır. Hulful vaat edebilir o adama itimat edersin. Fütursuz işlersin. Acaba hulful vaat hakkında muhal olan bir zat cennet gibi bir ücreti ve saadeti ebediye gibi bir hediyeyi sana vaat etse pek az bir zamanda, pek güzel bir vazifede seni istihdam etse, sen hizmet etmezsen veya isteksiz, suhre gibi veya usançla, yarım yamalak hizmetinle onun vaadinde itham ve hediyesini istihfaf etsen, istihfaf etsen, pek şiddetli bir tedibe, dehşetli bir tazibe müstahak olacağını düşünmüyor musun? Dünyada hapsin korkusundan en ağır işlerde fütursuz hizmet ettiğin halde, cehennem gibi bir hapsi ebedinin hafı, en hafif ve latif bir hizmet için sana gayret vermiyor mu? If a man promised you a gift worth a hundred liras, he came to you and said, I will give you a hundred liras. He would have you work for a hundred days. Gift or uh, prize, a payment, recompense. He promises you, do this for me for a hundred days and I'm going to give you a hundred liras. And at the time this was written, a you know, hundred liras is uh, good enough money for a hundred days of work. You would trust that man for whom 
for, for who um, you would trust that man who may, may break his promise. You would trust that man who may break his promise. He is a human being. And you cannot know of the human beings whether they are going to keep their promises or not. Right? We, we, we don't think of each and every human being that we meet as Al-Amin, like the Prophet wasallam, the trustworthy. No, human beings have the potential to break their promise. You would trust that man. But still, we trust each other all the time. We work for a, for, for a month for something. At the end of the month, we get our pay. The boss can say, I'm not paying. And we may not have recourse to means to, to extract that money from the, the boss. But we still trust our uh, uh, fellow human beings and based on that trust, we work. You would trust that man who may, may break his promise and you would work without apathy. Right? Thinking about the pay that you will get at the end of the 100 days, you would work with enthusiasm. Wonder then. Do you not think that if an entity for whom breaking a promise is inconceivable promises a recompense like paradise and a gift like eternal felicity to you and employs you for an utterly short period of time in an utterly beautiful duty? So now we are moving on to the reality of this, right? If a man were to promise you a hundred liras, you would work for him for a hundred days. Now, but the man can break his promise, may break his promise, now imagine an entity, God, for whom breaking a promise is inconceivable because a person breaks a promise out of two main reasons. Either the person is not capable of keeping the promise, which is inconceivable for God because he is all-powerful. There is nothing that he cannot do. Or he is lying, which is also inconceivable for God. And there is no need for, for God to, to, to, to lie. Right? Lying is a weakness. Lying is a deficiency, and God is perfect. There is no deficiency about God. So, breaking a promise is inconceivable for God. And this doesn't mean that God cannot break His promise. This is not a matter of ability. This is a matter of conce conceivability. Right? Do you not think that if an entity for whom breaking a promise is inconceivable promises a recompense, what kind of a promise, a recompense is that? Like paradise, not a hundred liras, not a hundred dollars, not a hundred thousand dollars, a recompense like paradise and a gift like eternal felicity. Eternal felicity. Oh my God. What can you do with a hundred liras, a hundred thousand dollars? You can live for a hundred days, maybe. This is eternal felicity. If that entity promises a recompense like paradise and a gift like eternal felicity to you and employs you for, not for a hundred days, nonstop, for an utterly short period of time, one hour out of 24, in an utterly beautiful duty, if you understood the rea reality of it and if you have enough practice with it, it becomes beautiful. So after this, this, this happens, but then you still do not surf or you surf unwillingly, dragging your feet or with weariness, with that perfunctory service of yours, right? You either did not serve or you served, you know, half-heartedly with that perfunctory service of yours, 
Will you not deserve a severe disciplining and a dreadful torment? Of course you will because, you know, the punishment is uh, proportionate to the crime. And you are as though accusing this entity for whom breaking a promise is inconceivable of lying. Yeah, you, you don't trust his, his, his promise. If you trust that there is no way even for your lower soul not to recognize that, subhanAllah, this, this, this, this pay, this reward is so big that you cannot miss it. While you serve in this world out of the fear of imprisonment. Again, another way to look at this, like the first one was positive sanction. You are promised a pay, you are promised a reward, and you work in this world. Now, the other negative sanction is you are promised a punishment, a uh, negative consequence, and again, you work, you do what you are supposed to do or what you are told to do. While you serve in this world out of the fear of imprisonment in the heaviest of works, without apathy, is the fear of an eternal imprisonment like hell not encouraging you to exert effort in a most light and agreeable service? What is imprisonment in, in this world? Even, even if you imagine the most horrid conditions of incarceration, what is it compared to the torment of hell? So on one side, there's this positive sanction. God is promising you rewards. God is promising you a recompense, although he doesn't have to. And on the other side, he is also promising you and threatening you with punishment. And what is that punishment? The, the hell, hellfire. So are you, are you not encouraged? Are you not urged to put effort into this, this service, which is light and agreeable? All over soul, you are duped. All over soul, you, you don't know what you're doing. All over soul, come to your senses. Don't drag me down to hell. All over you, soul, don't be, don't be a weight on my ankles. All over soul, let me, let me worship my Lord the way he deserves to be worshipped. I will always fall short of it, but at least let me try. Take your impatience out of my, my way. Take your awareness out of my way. Take, take your apathy out of my way. Let me pray my Lord. Let me perform my prayers for my Lord. Let me worship my Lord. Let me, let me worship my Lord all over so. Um, this is the end of the, uh, the fourth warning. The fifth one is long, so inshallah, we will not start that. Uh, we will cut this episode uh, a little short, shorter than usual. May God, may, may God enable us to heed the lesson in it. And may God make this a, uh, bless us with the ability to worship him as he deserves to be worshiped or get as close to that as possible that is within the limits of our own uh, defective capacities. Subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana innaka anta al-alimu al-hakim wa akhir al-dawahu man alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen al-fatiha as-salawat Allahumma salam